Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. The bottom of this hour, 35 after the hour. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert from Colorado is going to join me to talk about um, her heckling the president over the war dead in Afghanistan that the media is savaging her for. Uh, we'll get to that. I want to just spend a moment here talking about baseball. You know, uh, so they're in, looks like the beginning of the season isn't going to happen. Also, the Braves, winners of the World Series, have still not signed Freddie Freeman. They can't do it now because of this, but they posted a record $568 million in revenue from baseball and development up from $178 million in 2020. Uh, far exceeding the last record from 2019 of $476 million. So they should sign Freddie Freeman. Now, um, they should do a long-term contract with him too. Let him retire as a brave. I'm not a sports show. I'm not even really a sports guy. I like to watch the game. I don't know the detail workings. I've never done fantasy football. I don't I don't keep up with the stats. I don't keep up with the players that much. I just enjoy hanging out with friends, having a beer, watching a game. Sitting on my front porch watching football at night, going to a Braves game, they're fun. I gotta say I'm disappointed in the setup for the football or for the baseball season this year. They've canceled the beginning of it. I, I'm not a, a baseball commissioner fan, Rob Manfred. I, I think he should go. This is from Reuters. Service time towards free agency, playoff expansions, luxury tax, salary floor. They're among the key issues in the current dispute. Uh, the team locked out the players in December. The Players Association Executive Director Tony Clark said it was a sad day for the players and fans and the games and called the lockout the ultimate economic weapon to use against the players. There are a, a, a large number of problems First of all, the baseball players have the strongest union in sports. And overwhelmingly, the problems at hand right now actually are from the owner side of things. I don't just say that as a fan, but put it to you this way. If you replace all the baseball players in America with the second best thousand players, the game is going to change dramatically for the worst. If you replace all the owners with different business people, the game's not going to change. If anything, Rob Manfred and the owners have forced changes to the game of baseball that make it less watchable. Here's my ultimate problem with baseball as someone who likes it. The games last forever. And some of the ridiculous things that they do now that stretch the game out just don't make any sense. There is a difference between going to a stadium to watch the game. That's fun. It's really fun to go to a Brave Stadium. If and when this show takes off and I am a nationally syndicated success and the money's rolling in, I want season tickets in the good seats to a Braves game. And I want to be able to take friends to the Braves game, maybe have a box, have the food in there. They got good food at the Brave Stadium and just be able to enjoy the games with friends and advertisers woo people it'd be fun but watching a baseball game at home is like watching golf 
It's not something that I enjoy doing. I have friends who like watching golf games on TV. I don't get it. Y'all, I, I like golf. I'm terrible at it. I like it. I'm going to go to the Masters this year for the very first time, probably the only time in my life I got invited by a friend uh, to go to the Masters. I'm going to go. It's an experience. But watching it on TV is kind of boring. It's actually, though, less boring to watch golf than it is to watch baseball, unless you were an ardent baseball fan. I got a buddy of mine, David. He's my bookkeeper, and he's a Mets fan. Now, it is hard to find a Mets fan in the wild, you should know. They, he, people typically don't admit to being Mets fans, but he is. And during football season, if baseball season is still on, and he's watching uh, the game, he pulls out his iPad and watches the Mets lose while the rest of us are watching football games. He's a diehard fan. And if there's nothing else on, we'll watch the Mets lose with him. And it's just kind of boring to watch on TV. It just is. They have problems. And one of the big problems with baseball that I'm very sympathetic to, I, I've got a number of uh, people who are connected to the Braves listen to this program, headquartered out of Atlanta. And I've gotten to know some, and I've gotten to know some with other teams as well. One of the real problems with baseball is the number of guys who are in the minor leagues trying to make it to the, to the majors and their treatment of those people and their poor pay of those people. And occasionally they'll bring a guy up like in, in the World Series. They brought a guy up to pitch in the first inning of one of the games and, and then he'll never be heard from again probably. Got to pitch in a World Series in the major leagues, pulled up from the minors and then had to go back. And it just seems to me that treating the players better would be a good thing for the owners. Now the owners, they don't want to they don't want to give up too much money. And their worries about the number of games. I I who really wants a hundred and sixty game series? Who wants a sixty hundred and sixty game season? I, I don't know. The diehard of the diehards, I guess. They want to go to every game and watch them. I, I don't care. I'd be fine with 140 games. I, I don't care. But it just seems like there needs to be some resolution because baseball, if we're honest about it, it's no longer America's pastime. Used to be. It's not anymore. That would be football. Football is the nation's pastime. People like to watch the NFL. More so than any other sport, people like the NFL. They don't like to watch baseball on TV because it's boring. They love to go to the events because baseball games are fun to go to. All sorts of things happen at a baseball game, more so than anything else. They got the programming down, but it's boring to watch it on television. It really is, unless you're a diehard fan. You don't want to watch it. My wife hates baseball. She'll go to a game. It's an entertaining attraction to go to a game. She's never going to sit down and watch it on television. They got to do something to improve the players' quality of life in the minors. They don't need necessarily that many games. They certainly don't need to expand the playoffs. And they got to do something to make the game more fun to watch on TV. And the reason is because this transcends baseball. We have arrived at a period of short attention spans. So many people are on their phone flipping through Snapchat and TikTok and Instagram very short clips. They've lost their ability to have an attention span, to pay attention to what's going on. 
They, they can't focus. You, you got millennial and Gen Zers out there. Gen Z now more so than the millennials, the, the youngest people out there up and coming in the economy, and they just they don't have the attention span for it. Something's got to give. And and the owners here, I think, the players, they're not pure driven snow here. They'd love to you to believe it's all the owner's fault. They've got something to do with it too, but I do think most of it's on the owners. Joe Biden last night could have rallied all of America had he scrapped his speech and just blasted Major League Baseball. And, you know, Major League Baseball also has problems with Rob Manfred. They should make him, they should get rid of him. I mean, if you're a Braves fan, what they did to the All-Star game because Stacey Abrams bullied them into boycotting Georgia, sticking their nose in it where it didn't belong, shame on them for doing that. That left a bad taste in my mouth, too. But, man, I I know people who are diehard baseball fans are like, I'm never watching, and you'll watch. You'll watch because you got your favorite players. But we, none of us should be subjected to this right now. We all want something to rally around. The summer is coming. Hockey will soon be at an end, as will basketball. Football won't be until the fall. There will be nothing on television to watch for any of us, except reality TV, unless the baseball owners figure out what to do and get a move on. Now, I can move on from baseball. I just felt the need to say it's actually big news, believe it or not. But we got to talk about Texas as well. Beto O'Rourke is going to run again. When does he start getting talked about as a serial candidate? Beto O'Rourke is, in fact, a serial candidate. Beto O'Rourke got elected in El Paso, Texas, to Congress. He ran for the United States Senate and lost. He ran for president of the United States and lost. Now he's going to run for governor of Texas and lose. How do I know he's going to lose? Well, look at El Paso, where Beto O'Rourke is from. The percentage of balloting for the Democrats in El Paso, Texas, has fallen off pretty significantly. Hang on a second. I I got the numbers for you. Uh, Where are we here? Um, Yes. Beto O'Rourke is from El Paso, Texas. Let me give you the percentage turnouts. El Paso had an 82% Democratic primary turnout in 2018, 78% Democratic turnout in 2020, a 70% Democratic turnout last night in Texas. That should be a really red flag that something is going on with Hispanic voters in South Texas and in the border counties. The Democrats believed that they could turn Texas blue. And by going overboard with their progressivism, the result is they're actually turning those blue counties in Texas red. They're making Texas Hispanics become Republican. Henry Quaylar, very popular Democrat in Texas on the uh, southern border there. His office was raided by the FBI a few weeks ago. It's turned into a major event Uh, And it it has dragged him down. He had a a progressive Democrat backed by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez come after him. He's now in a runoff with her. He came very close to beating her until the last votes came in. He's now second place in a runoff against this uh, hyper-leftist candidate that the media, of course, is giving glowing reviews to. You never know she was progressive, according to the Politico. Well, she is. And now suddenly... The prognosticators in Washington are saying this district could actually go Republican. The progressives doing well here 
is a big indicator that this district could go Republican. Why? Because your run-of-the-mill Hispanic Democratic voter in Texas does not like socialists. Their families immigrated from socialist countries in Central and South America. They don't like them, and the Democrats don't seem to understand this. The Democrats have so bought into demography as destiny, they can't understand that it's not. You put up a bunch of commies, and these Hispanic Americans from Texas are going to burn you down. They're going to become Republican. And they are. The other interesting story out of Texas last night is uh, that uh, Jeb Bush's son, George P. Bush, he is going to uh, run as attorney general in a uh, runoff against Ken Paxton. Now, Ken Paxton is in a lot of scandal. I I think there were some issues with him and his wife. Uh, There's uh, an FBI probe, some corruption issues. He's, He's not even very good at being attorney general. Like the basics of the job, he screws up. He's a great showboater. But when it comes to the basics of the job, he doesn't go good in addition to all the corruption stuff. He was challenged in a four-way primary. George P. Bush beat everybody else to get into the runoff. The result is we'll have this runoff in Texas and keep the Bush family in politics. And I think people will rally. So many people voted against Ken Paxton in the primary if they show back up in the runoff, uh, he will probably more likely than not lose. In fact, Louis Gohmert, the congressman, jumped into the Texas Attorney General primary at the very end, surprised everybody. He wasn't going to run for Congress again, decided to run for Attorney General. Had he not gotten in, Paxton probably would have lost outright with no runoff. Now it just looks like the inevitable was delayed. And also, Alan West's career, well, it's gone for a little while. I, I, You know, people like Alan West, I just call them like political herpes. They flare up every now and then. They go from race to race around the country. First, he was a congressman from Texas. Then he shows up in Texas, or from Florida. Then he shows up in Texas. He becomes the chairman of the party in Texas. And then he decides to quit it and run for governor very unsuccessfully in Texas. But he will be back, I'm sure, somewhere until people get tired of him, at least Texans don't have to deal with him running for governor. Thank goodness he'd be a terrible candidate. (laughs) Ron DeSantis, just a little while ago, did an event down in Florida captured on WFLA. Uh, He's at at a college doing workforce education. Got a bunch of masked students behind him. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is a, this is ridiculous. <laughs> the media, very upset with Ron DeSantis for that. Uh, he's also taken on Vladimir Putin uh, and, and weighed in on this. You know, that they blast him for a CPAC speech, not mentioning Vladimir Putin, and now he is, and they're ignoring him. You know, you see what's going on um, around the world, and... You know, my view on uh, on the whole uh, situation with Ukraine and Russia is if you want to uh, uh, hit Vladimir Putin, hit him where it counts. This is a guy who's basically an authoritarian gas station attendant, okay, <laughs> with some legacy nuclear weapons from the old Soviet Union. They Their whole society is hollowed out except for that energy. And so if you want to hit him, hit him at the gas pump. Hit him, hit him with energy. The problem with that... Uh, with Biden is he has stepped on the neck of our domestic energy here in the United States. We should have Keystone reactivated in the United States. He should get rid of the ban on producing in federal lands and he should welcome more domestic energy production. We were, before Biden took office, for the first time 
in any of our lifetimes actually energy independent. Putin didn't matter. Now they're importing millions of barrels of oil uh, from Russia. They are. And in fact, uh, overnight, the administration suggested that it could crack down further on energy sanctions. In fact, here's the story. Uh, it was filed uh, yesterday. Uh, it said that the Russians, uh, we could in fact clamp down on uh, possible additional energy sanctions. And now the White House is saying actually, nope. Uh, the White House is downplaying its openness to sanction Russian oil as a means of punishing Putin. The administration declined to rule it out entirely, but said doing so was not in U.S. strategic interest, citing disruptions to the global oil supply and the effect it would have on gas prices. We don't have a strategic interest in reducing the global supply of energy, says Carrie Jean-Pierre, according uh, on Air Force One to reporters. She said the sanctions would raise prices at the gas pump for Americans, something the White House is very aware of. In other words, by ruining the American ability to produce our own energy, we've become more dependent on Russia, and now we can't impose the sanctions we should impose in order to have a real effect on the situation. Here's Senator Tom Cotton. Well, Vladimir Putin for 20 years has wanted to reassemble the Russian Empire. He's had that imperialist ambition uh, since he took office. I think what he's seen over the last six months is a perception of weakness and opportunity. And he goes on to say, we got to bring our oil back. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. I, I, I have to... I, I, I got to... I, I got to come to terms with being in my 40s now and, and you get all these elected officials who are now younger than me. I mean, I remember like every presidential candidate used to be older than me and now you got there, some of them running who are younger than me. You got these members of Congress who are younger than me and, and one of those members of Congress uh, did a service last night uh, that is she's being roundly excoriated by members of the press for what she did, but had she not done it, no one would be talking about the 13 dead soldiers in Afghanistan. Remember, Joe Biden repeatedly, including last month with Lester Holt, called it a tremendous success and yet couldn't bother to talk about his tremendous success last night of the State of the Union and gave no mention to the 13 American soldiers who were killed as we were retreating from Afghanistan. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert called him out in the State of the Union address last night. The media is savaging her for having done so and then having to explain that the president ignored Afghanistan last night. Joining me by phone, the congresswoman herself. How are you? Hey, I am doing great, Eric. Thanks so much for having me on today. Now, listen, I, I said on Twitter, and, and your staff reached out to me uh, afterwards, you know, I'm one of those decorum people. I mean, like mm -hmm. when Joe Wilson yelled out, you lie and stuff, it's, it's the State mm -hmm. of the Union. But I said, had you not done that, he would have mm -hmm. flat out ignored those 13 soldiers and Afghanistan altogether. You're exactly right. And, and the media would have ignored it as well and never brought it up again. Uh, and, and so I, I, there's many things that um, we could have shouted out, you lie about last night, but nothing that bared the weight as, as this did. When, when Joe Biden started speaking about uh, 
flag-draped coffins, my mind went straight to those 13 soldiers that died in Afghanistan. The mother of one of those soldiers lives in my district, one of those Marines. And, and she told me that Joe Biden killed her son. Last night, think about this, Eric. Biden invited a big tech CEO to the State of the Union, but couldn't be bothered to recognize any of the families who lost a loved one in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and not only that, he, he he did want to acknowledge a police officer who died of cancer. Correct. Uh, but 13 soldiers, and he, again, to Lester Holt last month, called it a tremendous success. And yet, if it's such mm-hmm. a tremendous success, why don't exactly. you put it in your State of the Union when you're at 35% of the polls? So can, right. can I just uh, ask you, yeah, go go ahead. Well, uh, just with that, you know, uh, we've already heard the White House uh, press secretary say that um, he didn't have time to get to certain things in his speech. Um, But unfortunately, uh, with Afghanistan, Joe Biden um, has shown that he has not had time for these soldiers uh, since the very beginning. I mean, even at his at their services, he was checking his watch. Um, because even back then, he did not have time for this. So uh, if it is such a tremendous, extraordinary success, then let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. it's just, I, I'm, I just, again, I, if I were in your shoes, I, I would have let the man speak and, and gone to the cameras afterwards. But uh, I, you're absolutely right that you, if you didn't do that, every single member of the media would have given him a flat out pass. Uh, mm-hmm. on a situation that he seemed to be quite proud of. Now, let me ask you the other thing in, in the speech. Sure. This man has done absolutely nothing to secure the southern border, and yet last night mm-hmm. acts like he's had this genius idea, we need to secure <laughs> the American border with Mexico. Yeah, yeah go figure. Uh, so I think I was the first one on my feet for that one. And uh, <laughs> I... I, I I I was eager to stand up for that because I've been to the southern border and I've seen the devastation that's taking place there and the invasion that's taking place, the children who are left abandoned and confused, the fentanyl that's coming into our country, killing uh, Americans. And, uh, you know, I I started chanting, uh, build the wall. Uh, We we certainly need to secure our southern border. And, Eric, I've talked to the Border Patrol agents and um, they, they aren't necessarily asking for a wall right now. They just want policy that allows them to do their job. They said, we don't need more resources. We don't need more personnel. Uh, we don't even need more infrastructure at this point. We just need the policies that allow us to enforce the laws that, that we were hired to enforce. And, you know, our Border Patrol agents go home uh, defeated on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, with, with the construction of the border wall that was halted January 20th, uh, 2021, uh, we are still paying $5 million a day in government contracts for a wall that's not being built. So build the wall. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it, it just let me get your reaction on this one. It looks to me like a lot of the things he talked about last night, they had to come through based on polling because he wanted to fund the police. He wanted to build the wall or not build the wall, just secure the border. He didn't want to talk about Afghanistan. It's like they took the polling of what Americans want and don't like, and and they shaped a speech around the poll. Uh, That's exactly right. And they tried to pretend that there were some victories from these Democrat uh, policies that have been passed into law, um, like the infrastructure bill, the uninfrastructure bill, where only 9% uh, 
of uh, that money of that over uh, 1.2 trillion dollars goes to anything infrastructure related. So if if you take that nine percent, it's it's probably lower uh, or, or it's, excuse me, it's probably higher than his uh, polling numbers, but it's still less than the 10 percent cut that the big guy usually gets for things. Um, so I'm sure that there was some polling that went into this, and that's why you're seeing um, this COVID miracle also at the State of the <laughs> yes, Union, where suddenly we don't need masks, and uh, and you know there certainly wasn't any social distancing um, whenever they thought that the C-SPAN cameras were no longer rolling, um, and, and so that is a just pure hypocrisy. I've seen it; uh, we have all witnessed it. For the past two years, these elites who push these mandates and policies, and then they themselves do not follow them. Just on Monday, we saw Biden walking in uh, in the field at, at at the in the South Lawn uh, of the White House, and he was masked up. He was alone, and he yes. was completely far away from everyone. And, and he, there he is in his mask. But then last night, he's able to hug everyone and slobber every, all over everyone and have these weird headbutts with people. And that's suddenly okay 24 hours later. Um, just one I, more thing with that, Eric. Yeah. So members of Congress were, were required to have COVID testing. Um, we had tickets that allowed us to enter the House chambers. Now, the House chambers is where we work. Uh, and also we had assigned seating and we were supposed to be socially distanced in our assigned seats. Uh, I refuse to comply with any of that. I was not tested. I am healthy. I was not tested. I uh, did not have a ticket to enter. I have a congressional pin that is my credential to access the House floor. And I did not go up in the gallery where many members of Congress were forced to sit. I went to the House floor and I sat in a chair that is paid for by the taxpayers of Colorado's third congressional district. Good for you. Uh, it, it, it seems like if you're a House member, you should be entitled mm-hmm. to get in there. Let, let me ask you one, one last thing before I let you go. The president last night towards the end of his speech makes this big play for unity. We're all Americans. We've disagreed over the response, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, I just I kind of was waiting for him to say, I, I'm, I'm sorry I called you all racists and, and <laughs> Bull Connor advocates and fired all of you in the military for not taking your shot. Now let's get mm-hmm. along. I just it seems to me if he wants us all to get together after what he's done this last year, maybe saying sorry would help. Right. Uh, and I think the, the best um, action forward for unity is his resignation. But um, I do have <laughs> articles of impeachment that are, are filed and uh, ready to go. And I, I hope to be able to bring those up uh, in, in the next Congress when Republicans have the House. But, but listen, Eric, I, I heard a lot of spending ideas last night. I heard Biden's plan to raise taxes on the American people. But I heard very little of uh, anything to address the issues the American people are concerned about. No solutions on the border crisis, inflation, transportation, or even the increasing crime rate. One thing I, I did notice, though, is President Biden never said build back better. Uh, that was his entire agenda, and it was rejected by the American people. And those poll numbers that we were talking about reflect the American people and that they see he is incapable of improving the country. So he reverted to what all Democrats revert to when they are put in a quarter, tax and spend policies. We, we all heard Biden say, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, all of these um, crazy ideas to just cut the cost 
if you, if you if you just pay your people more and lower your prices, then everything will be solved. And we'll just cut the cost of everything. Uh, but I, I was very grateful for his speech to end um, because <laughs> I think his Amex card had reached its limit. Probably so. That that and, and the Adderall wore off and he was running out of energy. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. I don't know if you saw this. The Daily Show mm-hmm. put out a graphic and it showed the, the uh, empty symbol for an iPhone. The, the battery was red, need to plug it in. And their audience <laughs> got so mad at him, they had to delete it. But they were like, this is Joe Biden right now until yeah. the backlash. You know, I, I'm sitting here thinking, you're talking about those articles of impeachment. I don't know that there's enough paint on planet Earth for Nancy Pelosi to paint her eyebrows as high as she would need to arch them if you actually drop those articles of impeachment. <laughs> That's really great. Uh, well, <laughs> how high is inflation? Just look at Nancy Pelosi's eyebrows. <laughs> well, they, they were pretty reasonable last night, other than that weird moment where she stood up very giddy. Uh, during what the was that of, giddy uh, dance she did? During the um, burn and, and pit such a segment. weird time. It, it was so it was weird. very bizarre. She you know, and, I, I, I was looking at her and I was like, oh, goodness, they must have already put the uh, sanctions on the Russian vodka. Um, she's losing it here. So, <laughs> yeah, Well, you know, a, a friend of mine said she and Chuck Schumer had that moment as well. It looks like when you invite your Pentecostal friends to a Baptist church. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it, it was very weird. <laughs> Listen, that. Yes. Thank you so much for, for, for uh, coming by and talking about that. I really do appreciate you uh, spending time with me. And again, had you not done that, uh, wh- whether I'm a fan of decorum or not, and I just got some emails from friends of mine listening saying, yeah, we're with you on decorum, but the congresswoman but, forced right. the conversation that needed to happen, and I'm glad you did. Yes, sir. And I, and I absolutely respect the House. I respect it so much. Uh, that that I don't want uh, those 13 service members to be ignored. I don't want our country to be disrespected any further by these policies that are being pushed in the House of Representatives. And uh, we, we have to take this back and turn it around so we can get back to true decorum. Amen to that. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, thank you so much. And good luck on your campaign out there. I've seen that opponent's ad, and, and gosh, I'm ready for you to kick his butt. What a crappy ad. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks so much, Eric. Bye. <laughs> Congresswoman Lord Bobert, if you haven't seen this ad by her opponent, it is essentially piles of poop being flung all over people. It's gross. And it's it's profanity laced. He can't run it on television. He ran it on, on uh, the Internet. And he's not going to win. I mean, it's a solidly Republican district. Uh, but, I mean, just what a despicable ad trying to get attention. And, of course, that an ad like that will draw a lot of money in from the outside uh, to that guy, and that money will be wasted because the, the district was drawn for Congresswoman Bulbert. Even though it was an independent commission, it's like an R plus 10 district. This guy's not going to be able to win. Um, but good for her for being willing to come on and, and talk about that. I didn't realize. And again, if you're just tuning in, that was Congressman Lauren Boebert, who called out at the president's speech last night about the 13 soldiers in Afghanistan. She's being excoriated by the media today. If, if you didn't hear her, she pointed out that uh, one of the deceased service members' family lives in her district. Uh, and it would have gone without any mention whatsoever from anyone, from the press or the president last night, had she not done that. So thanks to her for stopping by. You know, Patriot Mobile is a cell phone provider out there that is standing up for conservatives around the country, particularly when they're so embattled. you got cancel culture out there, the woke Fortune 500 companies. You've got companies out there that do what Patriot Mobile does, but they also 
well, they're, they're not just, it, it's kind of an angle of their business. Hey, let's bring in conservatives. And then they have all these other businesses from Obama phones to the like. Patriot Mobile is actually designed to just be a cell phone company for conservatives and for Christians who share your conservative values. They give money to the pro-life cause, to the Second Amendment cause, to conservatives, to, to the conservative movement. And they themselves are conservative Christians. I know the owners. I, I know the guy who came up with the idea from the company it was designed to push back against progressives who have been doing this sort of stuff for a while with their own sort of progressive activist cell phone companies. So you can go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. You can be a customer. You can use the same cell towers everybody else uses. You don't have to worry about the service. You can port your phone number over. You can get a new phone number from them. You get great discounts if you're a veteran, first responder, if you're a, a teacher, if you're an NRA member, and you get free activation with my name by going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, or you can call them 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. Good people, great company, and then you help them build their profits, which they in turn use to support the conservative movement. It's a great idea. Patriotmobile.com. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, thanks again to Congresswoman Bobert. Uh, if you're a Substack subscriber uh, to my daily email, you will be getting a copy of that uh, for your reference. You can always listen to the podcast as well. Text the word show to 33777. You'll get back links to the podcast on Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. You'll get uh, the 24-7 live stream link and you'll get a uh, email to or a link to my daily email. You know, that last one is important. If you text show to 33777, the last link is to the daily email I send out. And if you're a paid subscriber, we now will send you out every single link we reference on this program throughout the show. Every story goes in an email, comes out as we're getting the show ready. So there aren't any surprises for you, and you can go back and reference them, and, and we add in extra stuff as well because, you know, we never get to everything we're going to talk about. Uh, the guys are actually pushing me hard to start doing an extra stack of stuff uh, podcast at the end of the shows on, on days where we can't get to everything. Now, today would probably be one of the days where I would need to do it, except I'm going to hit golf balls. Shh. Far, far more important than you people is me sucking at golf and trying to get better. <laughs> Y'all, I'm so bad. I really am. I, I People keep asking me, do you want to go play golf? I hear you talking about it on the radio show. Yeah, one day I'm going to get good. And when I get good, I'll say, you know what? Let's go play golf. But right now my handicap is measured in balls lost. And it's bad. It's really, really, really bad. But I'll get there better. My wife has gotten me lessons. Now I got to actually go take the lessons. I got to figure that out. While we're banning plastic straws in this country in the name of energy and in and, and the environment and the like, Russia has doubled down on nuclear energy production and drilling. Michael Schellenberger has a, a sub stack, and, and let me just read you some of this. There's a deep psychological, political, and almost civilizational answer to the question of uh, Russia and what they've done to uh, engage in an unprovoked full-scale assault on Ukraine. He wants Ukraine to be part of Russia more than the West wants it to be free. He's willing to risk tremendous loss of life and treasure to get it. There are serious limits to how much the U.S. and Europe are willing to do militarily, and Putin knows it. Missing from the explanation, though, is a story about material reality and basic economics, two things Putin seems to understand far better than his counterparts in the West. 
Putin knows that Europe produces 3.6 million barrels of oil a day, but uses 15 million barrels of oil a day. Putin knows that Europe produces 230 billion cubic meters of natural gas a year, but uses 560 billion cubic meters of gas a year. He knows that Europe uses 950 million tons of coal a year, but produces half that. The former KGB agent knows Russia produces 11 million barrels of oil per day, but only uses 3.4 million barrels of oil a day. He knows Russia now produces over 700 billion cubic meters of gas a year, but only uses 400 billion meters, cubic meters of gas a year. Russia mines 800 million tons of coal each year, but only uses 300 million. That's how Russia ended up supplying 20% of Europe's oil, 40% of its gas, 20% of its coal. That math is very simple. Europe decided to invest in solar panels and windmills and ban plastic straws to save the planet. And Russia is happy to take advantage of them and knows he can get away with it unless the West grows up and prioritizes its energy national security. Don't hold your breath for them to do that. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.